Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Investing from A to Z podcast. I'm your host, Steph Bodrini. We provide straightforward information by bringing excellent guests with real-world experience in all topics related to commercial real estate investing. And in today's episode, we are going to be learning how to vet excellent operators. We are chatting with Camilla Jeffs. She is a principal at Steady Stream Investments. She focuses on multifamily and assisted living. Here we go. Camilla, thank you so much for joining us today. It's always so exciting to see other ladies out there in the real estate world and being extremely successful. First, why don't you tell us a little bit about you? Oh, yeah, I'd be happy to. So um, I'm so excited to be here, Stephanie. Thank you for having me on. Okay, a little bit about me. So I, um, I've i been investing in real estate for about 20 years now. It makes me feel really old to say that. But <laughs> I started when I was five, right? That's, that's right. <laughs> All of us. <laughs> um, but I and I just love it. You know, I decided early on and when I was young that I was going to really figure out this investing thing. And so I became a student of money and and I've been a student of money for, you know, for this at least 20 years and just trying to really understand it, figure out how it works and and now teach it to other people and teach other people how it works. And I love it. And so along that journey, I did a lot of investing in single family stuff for about 15 years. And then I pivoted into commercial multifamily and assisted living. And I love those. I love being in a, a commercial investor now too. It's so much better than single family. And then I launched Studies Through Investments to really teach people how to become investors uh, passively into and, and join group investments to increase their level of wealth. Um, And then I just recently launched my own podcast called the Quiet Wealth Podcast, which I'm excited (laughs) about. And I'll be teaching wealth principles to families. So I love it. So as a syndicator, which I believe is you spend most of your time on, it's extremely important to find good operators. And Mm -hmm. I know people that have been doing syndications for decades, and they still sometimes have issues with some operators that they partner up with. How do you go about finding good operators for your deals? Oh, this is a great question. And it's one that you're right. It's crucial. It's crucial to find a good operator. And by operator, we just simply mean someone who knows what they're doing and can run run the project well. And it's not hard. <laughs> oh, no, it's funny because um, when I pivoted into large multifamily and, and doing those it became more of a business rather than the single family stuff. The single family stuff was very simple. It's very uh, easy to understand. But now you jump into large multifamily and assisted living. And these are actual businesses that are that have to be run like a full-on business. It can't just be a mom and pop that's running it. It has to be professional. You have to have someone professional on your team who knows what they're doing, who knows how to read financial statements, who knows how to get bids and you know, just basically manage the asset that you have you have purchased. So you asked, how do you find 
the good ones. <laughs> so the good ones are, uh, there are many good ones out there and there are bad ones out there. And really one of the keys is experience, um, is, is finding someone who is experienced. And by experience, I don't mean simply mean that they've been in the business for 20 years. That doesn't really matter all that much how long they've been in the business, unless they've only been in it for like one year, right? You want someone that has at least four or five years of experience, but the experience, like what kind of experience have they had? Think about the quality of experience. So for example, uh, a woman I know, she started her syndication journey being an operator in the last two years. She's already been through a fire in her apartment. She's been through like squatters. She's been through all, you know, all sorts of things that have happened in her apartments. And she is one of the best operators I have ever seen because she's there. She's in the details. She's on the, on, at the property. She's really working hard to make sure that asset is running well. Whereas other people that might be more, you know, experienced, I put that in air quotes, is they have moved away from actually managing the asset and they're hired a team. And sometimes the team doesn't quite do it as well. And, and so that you get into problems, right? So the more removed you get could be problematic. So I like those who are who are really working hard in their in their business. And so finding them is tricky. Um, but the way you find them is by networking and asking around. You know, it's not like you can pull up a Google review. <laughs> operators. Like, it doesn't work like that. But joining um, investment clubs, joining like investment groups, and then just listening to them on podcasts. Like if you find somebody that you think you might want to invest with, I would suggest Googling that person's name and then podcast after it and listen to them talk for you know four or five different podcast episodes. So you can really get a feel for their approach to how they how they run their projects. That is such a great tip so brilliant because there is no way to hide who you really are and it shows up sooner or later so that's a really yeah. good idea listen to what they have to say through video and audio and how do you go about vetting them for the first time that you're working with them I have a specific list of questions that I ask, and I'll give you a couple of the questions that I ask. So one, of course, I ask about their track record, right? So what have they experienced? And almost all of them will tell you the highs, right? The, like the great things that they've done, which is good. You need to know that they can achieve greatness <laughs> because if they can't achieve greatness, you don't want to invest with them. You want to invest with people who can achieve greatness. And then I always ask, okay, tell me about a, a failure that you had, you know, or a, a, a big challenge that you experienced in real estate. And here's the thing. If they say, oh, I haven't really had any big failures. You got to run the other way. Just run <laughs> right now yes. because their big failure is coming. It happens like every time that real estate, the real estate is, it can be unpredictable at times. Like like I said, my friend went through a fire at her apartment unit. They, you just don't know when things like that will happen. But what's important is not whether, whether they've experienced challenges, but how they have approached those challenges, right? Have they tackled them head on or did they just hide their head in the sand? Uh, and are they honest about it? Are they like honest that, you know, we actually lost money this time and it taught us that we need to do X, Y, and Z different. And so now we do X, Y, and Z different to really hedge against losing any money in the future. That's what I want to know. I want to know that you've experienced some hard knocks and you've learned from them so that now my money feel, is safer with you than it was before. 
Awesome. I love it. And that's very similar to any job interview, right? Tell me <laughs> what yes. your weaknesses are. That's right. That's right. Just be honest. <laughs> Tell them what you were learning from that. Yep. And by now you have done quite a few syndications and I have an idea of what, you know, some of the biggest complaints from passive investors are, but why don't you share what you hear the most when they come to you and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so tired of XYZ from other syndicators or operators. Yeah. The number one thing is lack of communication. Yep. <laughs> uh, you know, if, uh, if, uh, you know, as a syndicator, if you tell your investors that you're going to be sending out a monthly report, by golly, send out the monthly report. <laughs> you know, don't, don't resist it. Don't, you know, don't be late on it. Send out your report because if you, as an investor myself, a passive investor myself, I don't get those reports. I'm scratching my head like, uh oh, something wrong. Like immediately, yeah. right? The brain yeah. jumps to all these conclusions that something's wrong. And so now my money's at risk and now I'm panicking. And so, and then, then you get, you're going to get a bunch of calls and emails and what's going on here, right? So send out the updates. And then number two, make sure that the updates are, you know, accurate. <laughs> like the links aren't working or you have misspellings. It's just not very professional, right? And so you've got to you gotta make sure that things are are professional. The other thing that I've heard from passive investors that they get frustrated with is just the operator not following through with what they have uh, said they would do, right? And and mm -hmm. one, of the, one of those is that communication, but the other might be distribution. So say the operator, you know, you, you got into a deal and they said, hey, we're going to we're going to start distributions in February. Well, February comes and goes and I don't see anything in my bank account. So now again, I'm jumping to conclusions. What's wrong? And I haven't heard anything from them about why it's not in my bank account. And so then March, they come out and say, oh, so sorry. It looks like we can't do a distribution because of X, Y, and Z. Well, I'm mad because you didn't tell me beforehand. I think as a passive exactly. investor, we can handle bad news. It just has to come before, right? We just had need a heads up and we can handle if there's been, a, I mean, say there was a fire, right? Well, the fire was in January and you got to alert your investors right away. Fire in January, there is a risk. We won't be able to do distributions. We'll have to see how things go, right? And then we can handle it. But if you're just going to hide it and not tell us, that's no bueno. <laughs> Yes, thank you for sharing. I would like to move on to another topic of uh, assisted living. I know you're also doing that as well. I would love to hear what the pros and cons of investing in that asset class are. Yes. So assisted living is an asset class that's within the senior housing realm. And there's really kind of three different levels of senior housing. So you have the, you have the, like the 55 plus communities where there's, you know, maybe a clubhouse, there's people around to help if needed. There's may, might be special services and amenities for, for seniors who are living in those com communities, but they don't necessarily need extra care. Then the next level is your assisted living and assisted living is kind of that in-between level where they do need care, right? They do need medication management. They do probably, they, they might need help with bathing or clothing themselves or their hair, feeding, what you know, or, or they can't really make meals themselves, things like that, right? There's different levels of what assistance they need. And then finally, there's the skilled nursing facilities and the skilled nursing facilities is really where more people go in there at the very end of their life and they need very extensive medical care, 24-7 care. 
So we really like the middle one, the assisted living, and our team has decided that we are going to build boutique assisted living communities. And when we mean by boutique, we mean like we don't like the big, huge hospital concept where you build this giant building that has 100 rooms in it. Um, We prefer to have bigger homes. Because if you think about, you know, placing your grandma, grandma doesn't want to leave her house. She loves her home. She loves being at home and she has many memories there. And it's a really hard transition to leave your home and go into a facility. Well, if you're going from your home to another home, that's just bigger and, you know, has a little bit more, has more people in it. It's much easier transition than going to a giant, you know, medical facility. So, that's why we love it. It's in super high demand right now. I mean, if you think about the the baby boomers, they are right now, they're in their mid 50s to mid 70s. They represent 21% of the population, right? A huge portion of the population. And at some point, seven out of 10 of those are going to require assisted living care at some point, right? And so in the next like 10 to 20 years, the number over 85 will grow 111%. And that's typically, right, the average age that people go into assisted living is 80. Um, And so there's a forecast that we need 1 million more units by 2040. So in the next 18 years, we need a million more built to care for all these boomers who are going to need this help. So that's why I'm super excited about assisted living, especially right now. If we get in right now, we build them right now, we're going to be ready to sell at the prime demand phase, mm, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's a really cool, really cool model that I'm really excited about. Yeah, no, that sounds really good. And how are you picking the market? Is it primary market, I would assume? Or what other things do you look at? Yeah, well, we do a bunch of research into the market. So, of course, the primary markets, um, there's a couple things to take into account. So, of course, you need to know how many um, that age are in the, the market, right? And there needs to be a healthy population of you know, elderly people that are in that 80s or will be turning 80, 85. The other thing to keep in mind, though, is what about the families that are placing them? They want to be close by. They don't want grandma or their mom to be you know, a plane ride away. They want to be close by. So we actually will, we like to build these in in major metros so that the people who are living there, so that it's not so hard for them to go visit their mother um, or their or their father at the assisted living facility. So that's something that we really take into account when we're doing it is where do the families live that will be coming to visit. Sure. Yeah, I can imagine that. Um, I like to be transparent and open about the cons too. So one of the cons here of investing is it is going to be a little bit more risky because it's not just a real estate investment. You're investing into both a real estate business and a healthcare business. So you have to have both those components. You can't just simply go build the real estate and now it's going to and, and it's going to be worth a bunch of money without the healthcare component to it. So that's something really important to keep in mind is that you need to evaluate both the real estate and whoever's running the healthcare business and make sure that that healthcare business, that they know what they're, what they're doing. And that just makes it a little bit more risky. And one of the things that we do is, you know, of course, 
more risk equals more reward. So we will kind of give a little bit better returns in our assisted living to passive investors than we do for, say, multifamily or something that's a lot more stable and conservative, just to reward. And then also another con is new construction. And new construction as a passive investor, if you're looking for cash flow, it's not the great, it's not the right place to invest. You need to invest in something existing if you want cash flow right away. But if you're okay waiting for the cash and, and just you know letting your money grow pretty quickly, then you can invest into a new construction type project, which is what these are, because you have no cash flow for the first two years, possibly three, depending on how long it takes to lease up. Sure. Um, but then cash flow comes year four or five, sell in year five, and you're going to make you know two, three X your, your money in the beginning. Fantastic. It amazes me how many people don't mention that most real estate are businesses too, except maybe office or retail Everything else is hands-on. You yeah. have to manage everything from top to bottom or yes. find somebody who will. Thank you so much, Camila, for joining us. Uh, how can our listeners get in touch with you? Well, you can you can come visit me. You can jump on my website, steadystreaminvestments.com. I have a free course there that's called Passive Investing Made Easy. Um, and it walks you through, it's a video series that walks you through all the things you need to know from A to Z about how to make good decisions on being a passive investor and how to vet a team and vet a deal and vet a market. Also, you can connect with me on LinkedIn or Facebook. Just my name, Camilla Jeffs. I think I'm the only Camilla Jeffs out there in the world right now. <laughs> and as always, all of these links will be under show notes. Thank you so much, Camila, for joining us today. Thank you. Appreciate it. If you are learning from this podcast, I would greatly appreciate a written review. You just go to the podcast app, find the actual podcast under library, click on it and scroll all the way down and click write a review. I would greatly appreciate that. And I will see you next time.